I think it's important for us to not feel like we're siloed. The internet's an interesting place because you can feel connected, but also feel so damn lonely at the Mm. same time. So it's also like putting a mirror up to community to be like, yo, you're not the only one. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off the Cuff, where conversations lead to inspiration. I'm your host, Christian Palmer, and today I'm joined by someone whose work has been featured on tons of publications, such as The Daily News, HuffPost, Latina Magazine, and BuzzFeed, just to name a few. You may know her from her YouTube series, The Cat Call, where she debunks the taboos and the misconceptions of the Latinx community. She's a director, producer, content creator, and the host of Spotify's morning show, The Get Up. Without further ado, here's Off the Cuff with Cat Lasso. Cat. <laughs> you are so good at your job. Oh, like, where, where was the script that was all memorized? That, that was, was memorized. so amazing. Shout out to you. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank oh, my you. goodness. This place is comfy. Uh, you look comfortable. You look great. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have you on the opposite side of the mm. table, right? You're usually the one interviewing the guests and, you know, unwinding those stories. But it's great to have you on the opposite side of the table to get a little, a little, to learn a little bit more of your story. You know, so I kind of want to just tap into it, you know, from the foundational periods of like kind of where you grew up. Uh, born and raised in Queens. That's right. Um, you know, shout out to Queens. And uh, we're family that migrated from South America. You know, I'm curious to know a little bit more about your upbringings and some of the things that occurred in your life growing up that shaped who you are today. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm from Queens. It's always really funny when people have a lot of Queens pride. I feel like I don't really have a lot of Queens pride. I do love my borough, but I think I had a very, I had a different experience, you know, because I grew up like many of my identities. Literally, I physically grew up on the border of I'm not going to give like my zip code away but where I grew up was kind of like on the border of a very like white neighborhood and then a very uh, Latino immigrant migrant community so you know there were a lot of moments where I felt othered mm. by people by the white people in particular uh, where my family uh, had a house in and Then I felt like when I would go to my grandma's and she lived on the side that was more like immigrant Latino, um, it was like, oh, who's this white girl? You know, Mm -hmm. so it's like I never felt like I fit in. Uh, So it was kind of a struggle. So I think I have maybe some like trauma around Mm -hmm. Queens where I was like, damn, I never fit in. Um, But yeah, like you said, my my parents, my father's from Peru, specifically Lima, and my mom's from Bogota, uh, Colombia. And both of those places are not Mexico. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of right, people yeah. like to <laughs> confuse them because uh, I heard that a lot growing up. Where mm-hmm. It's like, oh, so you're Mexican. I'm like, no, I'm not Mexican. Um, and for a long time, like my family was the only non-Anglo white people on the block, mm. you know. So I think that also influenced me a lot. Like I think when I was younger, I kind of had a very, at a young age, I had a better understanding of the ways in which my family and myself experience these like microaggressions based on things like accent, based on language, based on, you know, where my family originated from. Um, And that obviously 
informs a lot of who I am today. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing, Kat. And I appreciate you sharing that because it kind of winds a good picture there. You know, and you talked about fitting in and not being able to fit in. At what point did you feel like you started to fit in? And at what point did you embrace your identity and culture? <laughs> wow. At what point did I feel like I finally fit in? I mean, I feel like the internet had a lot to do with me finally mm. feeling like myself. I don't think I ever felt like I fit in in Queens or in my in my community, in my borough. I think the internet kind of gave me an escape to work out a lot of like the internal complications that I was having around my own identities. So I would say probably I turned to YouTube like in college. Mm. My last year of college is when I started making YouTube videos. And that was just like an escape for me. You know, let me make some satirical uh, comedic videos around gender, around race, but specifically from like a Latina millennials perspective. Right. And what triggered that? Like, where did the idea or the mindset come from to talk about some of these topics in the last year of like college? So I had gone to FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology, um, and I was studying advertising and marketing because I thought that was like a safe job and, you know, I was going to make my mom happy. Mm -hmm. uh, but before that, I had gone to a performing arts high school and I had wanted to be an actress that didn't work out because of identity, you know, mm -hmm. walking into spaces and like having to go into casting rooms with like white people or white men in particular and them kind of like policing how Latina are you and all yeah. this stuff. And that took like a big emotional toll on me. Um, so I went to FIT thinking like, okay, let me change it up. Let me do something. Let me change, let me change media from the inside. And I thought maybe working in advertising would do that. No, that's no. Mm. <laughs> I quickly realized, you know, I was sitting in these classrooms and I was uh, being taught by, once again, white men telling me this is how you advertise to women. This is how you advertise to Latinos. This is how you advertise to black people. And I was just like, you've got this so wrong. So, you know, I was about to graduate and I was like, damn, yo, I just spent four years and money trying to build a career out of a career that is never going to accept me. I'm not going to accept it for how it is. So what do I do? Mm. And I was really inspired by people like Francesca Ramsey. Mm. Uh, if you know, you know. She was, you know, a big figure on YouTube back in the day, making lots of uh, satirical videos about race, about gender, sexuality. And I was like, yes, this makes sense. This mixes both, like, my theater side yeah. and also all of these inquisitive questions that I had around, like, identity and identity politics and yeah, so shout out to Francesca for really leading the way and putting down that foundation. And I kind of followed in her footsteps. And the important thing here too, I didn't mention this, but Francesca is black, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like in many ways, uh, all people and maybe in particular people of color and like right. uh, Latino folk, we owe a lot to black folk, sure. right? Like even if we talk about, you know, I know you're Latino as yeah. well. You know, the music that we love, the food that we love, this all derives, all has uh, African roots, yeah. you know. So she took a lot of heat, by the way. I don't know if people know this, but 
you know, for being a black woman on the internet back in the day at its peak of YouTube days, talking about race, talking about the intersections of all identities, like, you know, she faced a lot of hate, not critique, hate. Um, and then I come on as a non-black Latina, yeah. you know, I think she made it a little bit easier for mm -hmm. the rest of us. For sure. And that's super empowering. And like you said, you know, we, we should definitely pay that homage and that appreciation. Yeah. Education and career is a big topic in a lot of communities as well. And um, I want to focus on a little bit more on the Latinx and Latinos community and stuff because um, education and career is something like, you know, it's a hard topic to talk about, especially in the household. Mm -hmm. You know, when you want to make sure that sometimes your, your parents' sacrifices don't go in vain, mm -hmm. you know, and you want to make them proud. Like you said, you wanted to make your mother proud going into FIT. I'm curious to know when you were bringing some of these questions up to your parents or some of these career paths to, up to your parents, what were some of their highlights? Like, what was the reactions like when you were telling them you actually wanted to pursue a career in media, which may seem a little bit outside of the norm, you know? I didn't. I didn't have these conversations mm, with really? my parents. Yeah, okay. I think. Uh, so I'm the eldest. Uh, I have a younger sister, so I'm the eldest to immigrant parents. And I think that in itself once again, if you know, good, you know, good. <laughs> you know, like I think I was treated like a mini adult at mm. a young age. So this idea that I would turn to my parents for guidance or approval in terms of uh, like career paths, that that was not in existence for me. Mm. You know, um, I did after high school, I I was getting into casting. So I actually worked as a casting associate, um, meaning I worked with casting directors, mm -hmm. you know, prepare for the day in which uh, actors would come in and audition and all this stuff. And that was before going off to college. So I took like some time off and it was going well. Like your girl could have been a full blown casting director. Wow. I enjoyed the job. That was also my first introduction to like even holding a camera because, mm -hmm. you know, when you audition, there's like the camera, the tripod and yeah. all that stuff. And I had lied to my mom. I told my mom, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to college. Like, yeah, yeah, I just have to wait for some paperwork. But in my mind, I was like, this casting thing is about to pop off. Mm. You know, my mentor at the time, she really had me under her wing. And in that business, it's about who you know. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, I'm going to do this on the low. Not have to spend money, get ourselves into debt yep. to go to college. I'm going to basically like finesse the system, even though... I know that's like my mom's nightmare. And then, you know, people are mad nosy and she's most <laughs> and whatnot. And to make a long story short, somebody told my mom what I was up to. And my mom flipped out. Mm. Yo no vine a los Estados Unidos para que no vaya a la universidad. Da, 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 da. And I was like, bro, I had a plan. <laughs> so... Yeah, my dreams of uh, becoming a casting director got crushed mm. and I applied to <clears throat> FIT and yeah, went and studied advertising and marketing to make my mom happy. But in, in, in a way, it was a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm still in the position that I am here today, creating content, you know, in front and behind the mic. So it all worked out. And that's what you've been doing, you know, all along and... You know, and I want to transition a little bit quickly because we, we talked about media and, and your work because you've been doing a lot of phenomenal work, um, you know, on YouTube, which is crazy because full circle moments when you gravitated towards YouTube, 
you know, it's something that you've always carried on as well. Um, we'd love to learn a little bit more uh, around the cat call, you know, who garnered over like 17 million views across the entire series and stuff. Let's tell the audience a little bit more about your work there and kind of what inspired it. So I worked for a platform called Me Too. They're like a Latino digital platform where you could go for... Uh, write-ups, listicles, and also video content. And I was working there as a video producer and I was creating more like docu-profile pieces on uh, people here in New York who I thought I needed to put people on, Mm. right? And an important thing for people to keep in mind is that Me Too was, generally speaking, a West Coast platform run by West Coast Latinos, Latinx. And I was maybe one of two people (laughs) on their team from New York. Um, So I bring that up because a lot of the video content that I was creating kind of disrupted their natural feed. Mm. The natural feed that they had was one that was very like comedic and like uh, archetypes maybe that kind of like bring us all together. So things like Vaparu and Abuela and Mm. Chancla this and da da da, which is all great. Like it's all great for us to feel seen. But the content that I was producing, you know, I didn't do this purposely. It disrupted that. Mm. Meaning like I was showcasing my friends who are butch and who are more uh, masculine presenting or, you know, Afro-Latinos or, you know, folks with like intersecting identities. And really quickly, I realized in the comment section, you know, the already established audience of Me Too, they weren't having it. Mm. You know, we saw a lot of racist, a lot of xenophobic, a lot of uh, homophobic, like all of the isms were in the comments. And, you know, I was told by many people like, oh, don't pay attention to the comments, you know, like keep doing the work that you're doing. And I was like, nah, I actually like I am paying attention to the comments because supposedly this platform is made by us for us. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the comments that we're getting aren't necessarily from outsiders. They're people like our tios, our tias, you know, our cousins who also internalize anti-blackness, transphobia, homophobia. And I'm like, I have a sense of responsibility as someone who can create content for this audience, a huge audience. So what I ended up doing was I took those comments and I developed an entire series called The Cat Call where in, you know, the 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 saying that I say in the show is like, oh, I'm calling this shit out, you know. But really what I'm doing is what I was doing was I was calling people in. I think there's a difference in calling people out. You know, there's a whole cancel culture and whatnot. <clears throat> and I don't know if if it's smart for us to call out Mm. members of our family, you know, that almost feels very like prideful and like more about your ego of like, look, I know more than you. Mm. And like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't know this was homophobic or transphobic. So the series, the intention behind the series was for me to really hold the hand of our community through some difficult conversations and, you know, debunk a lot of the misconceptions that we have about one another. And yes, also that outsiders have about us. So we did things like 
are you a real Latino if you don't speak Spanish? Mm. You know, I know that's very, uh, <laughs> that's like it's a common, common yeah. it's a very common thought. Um, we address things like mental health, mm. you know, that's also common where it's like we dismiss people in our families if they see a therapist or mm. and or they suffer from depression, you know, and that leads to us not getting the help that we so rightfully deserve. So, yeah, three seasons, but that was about maybe three years ago. But what I love about the Internet is that I lives forever. So there's a bunch of people who are benefiting from the series, even if I'm long gone from having created it. Yeah. You know, and you speak too much, uh, so much about that because I even tuned in to tons of those episodes <laughs> and I was able to be informed, you know, be inspired as well, because these are topics and misconceptions that, you know, you want to put out to the light and say, nah, that's actually not true. Let me give you a deeper story as to why that's not that, mm-hmm. you know, um, you do an amazing thing where you play and you wear many hats, you know, uh, you're in front of the camera, but also behind the camera. And you're multi-talented, multifaceted. It's and that it's, Gemini energy. Listen, that's what it is. Um, but I'm curious to know, has there ever there been moments where you may have been the only one that looks like you in the room? Whether it's the only Latina, whether it's the only woman, like how did you channel through some of those experiences and through those moments? Um, There's definitely been moments where I was the only woman in a room. Uh... <clears throat> when you think about production, it's overwhelmingly male, mm. right? So I remember this one instance where a company was doing a profile piece on me, like one of those like 30 under 30 things. Nice, yeah. And it was a great video. You know what video I'm talking yeah, about. Absolutely. Don't <laughs> Let's not call them out or whatever. Right. But um, so I was getting like an award for the work that I was doing. And as a result, they wanted to do a little profile piece on me. And they were like, listen, we're going to send a crew, they're going to film you, and they're going to, like, create this little, essentially, like, a mini doc on Mm. you. Sounds cool. Okay. And I remember getting in the space, and I realized it's nothing but men. Mm. And if I remember correctly, it was, like, majority white men. Mm. And they're asking me all these questions about the work that I do, Mm. you know, and the work that I do is so much informed by identity and is so much informed by race and ethnicity and all of that stuff. And I just remember like having to look at a director and his crew and like vehemently be like, yeah, I talk about misogyny Mm. in (laughs) production. You know, I'm like, I'm looking at the faces (laughs) of exactly what I'm talking about. So it was like, there was a lot of irony in there, you know? But I will say, hearing you say this, ask me this question of, you know, have I ever felt like I was the only one that looked like me in a room? Um, I've worked in a lot of Latino spaces, you know, like Latino platforms and whatnot like that. Um, And I think it's important for us to acknowledge or maybe for me to acknowledge that There are plenty of people that look like me when we're talking about, you know, Latino media, Mm -hmm. Latinx media, media that's constructed in Latin America or serves uh, folks who derive from Latin America. Um, And I say that because most of us don't check that privilege. Mm. Right. It's the indigenous people from our communities 
it's the black people from our communities who are not represented. Mm. We have the Eva Longoria's, the Gina Rodriguez's, the Ava Mendez, the list goes on. You know, I I personally do not think we need 10 more of me Mm. when we are talking about Latino representation. There are other people who get sacrificed as a result. If I were to say, oh, yeah, I I don't see people like me in the media. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do see people like me in the media. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we talked about, you know, when when that 30 under 30, when you were getting presented um, to the decision makers that are behind the camera, mm-hmm. who are calling the calls and who are calling the shots and, you know, making space uh, for some of these roles to be obtained. What would you say to them about the importance of Latinx representation in media or in acting? Mm-hmm. Well, one. You need to step aside, assuming that I'm talking to someone who isn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Latino, Latinx, like you need to step aside, you know, your the foundation of your company or your platform needs to reflect the population. And we are a big part of that population. But also acknowledging that I've worked for companies, like I said, that were run by folks from Latin America yeah. who wanted to provide content to Latinos here in the U.S. And they also were very ignorant as to the diversity of us, mm. right? I think media and our government have done a fabulous job at making us out to be a monolithic group, right? Mm-hmm. And also, we are not a race, but we're racialized. Mm. What I mean by that is we're not a race in that you can be indigenous, you can be Asian Latino, as the ex-former president of Peru, Fujimori, uh, you can be a white Latino or Latina like Cristina, who didn't watch Cristina as a kid, yeah. right? Yeah. Or you can be For a sure. black yeah, Latino or Latina, yeah. right? Uh, like Amara La Negra, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, so we're not a race, but, and I'll speak only for, in the context of the U.S., we've been racialized. What I mean by that is, when you think of a Latina, Latino, Latinx, you think of someone like me. You think of someone like yourself. You know, basically we're talking about mestizo, you know, a dash of brown, you know, a little brown, a little white in there, a little mix it up. Um, and examples of that is casting, right? We're looking for a Latina 20 years old to 30. You expect for people like me to walk in the room. Right? right, right. But if someone like Amara La Negra were to come in the room, they'd be like, ma'am, excuse me, this was for a Latina role. Mm. And be like, she is. She's Dominican. Right? Yeah. So I think it takes a lot of unlearning for the people who are behind the scenes. And that includes us. Because yeah. we also harbor a lot of this miseducation about ourselves. Um, and it takes a lot of stepping away, you know, giving, passing the, the mic to someone else. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Um, I think education is important, especially having those conversations with your parents to learn a little bit more Mm. of like culture, identity, what were some of their struggles kind of coming into, to the U S and everything, because sometimes we inherit some of those struggles, um, to learn a little bit more. Uh, Kat, you also do this amazing thing where, Creating space for yourself is very important, right? 
And I say that because you create space online with your followers, creating space with, you know, different polls, different surveys, mm. right? Uh, self-affirmation things, right? Uh, but also saying no to certain opportunities, mm. right? I want to dig in a little bit deeper into that. There's so much value into saying no, mm-hmm. right? I'm curious to know where have you said no to certain opportunities just for your own mental health, your own mental sanity? Like, tell us a, bit, a little bit more about those moments. Well, first off, I'll say I've definitely said no to many opportunities where I think, once again, due to the ignorance about the diversity of mm. our community, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you can speak about this because you speak to all Latinos. And I'm like, nope. No, I won't be that token yeah. Latina, especially when if it's um, something that's going to be paid. Yeah. You know, I'm very conscious of that. Um, I think that there are other people who are marginalized within our communities. Um, that could be folks who are black, folks who are indigenous, folks who are disabled, physically disabled. Then I'm like, I think I'm going to pass this on to someone else. Mm. Um And I think this goes back to the idea of like not always calling people out, Mm -hmm. but calling them in. Because if somebody has already reached out to me with an opportunity, that means they're more susceptible to what I have to say. Right. They're like, oh, my God, we love your work. We want you to come and speak at this university. So they already have like a liking to me. And I'm not going to be like, how dare you reach out to me and not reach out. You didn't think about it being Black History Month, you know, like something like that. So I take those opportunities to, you know, put other people on. Uh, I think it's really important to acknowledge like, I don't need all the limelight Mm. all the time. I think that also comes from like um, lessons we get from capitalism. Like more is better. I'm okay. Yeah. I, I don't need more followers and I don't, I also don't even need more money. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm also in a position of privilege, uh, mm-hmm. reassessing, like I'm not where I was five years ago, not where I was 10 years ago. So let me try to make sure that I'm kind of spreading this around. I love that, Kat. And I used to talk about a few things there because I think it's important for us to acknowledge that. Sometimes certain opportunities are given to us, but it doesn't it necessarily doesn't align with us and our values. That doesn't mean it won't necessarily align with somebody else. And I'm always in the the mindset of paying it forward mm-hmm. and giving back. So I usually take certain things on. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll learn a little bit more about it. In case it doesn't align with me, it might align with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And for sure, I'm always keeping people in mind because you just never know what that one opportunity could do for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that mindset of, you know what? You got to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kat, we talked about community and creating space for oneself. I'm curious to know why is that so important for you? Like when you're on social media, you have these spaces where, you know, self affirmations are a thing, surveys are a thing, polls are a thing for you. Why is that so important for you? Temperature checks. Mm. Like I want to know how people are thinking, where they're coming from. Like I don't, it also will keep me in check. You know, like I love that. just because I think one way about something doesn't mean that I'm right. You know, I want to know where people are coming from. I also think that in turn makes me a better content creator, a better artist to better serve my community. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm like not really on IG too hard the way I used to be. But when I was, you're right, I used to utilize surveys and polls and all of that stuff. 
I think it's important for us to not feel like we're siloed. The internet's an interesting place because you can feel connected, but also feel so damn lonely at the mm. same time. So it's also like putting a mirror up to community to be like, yo, you're not the only one. Like just as an example, yeah. I think it was, I must've done something around like orgasms. Mm. <laughs> I think and, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. There's something called like an orgasm gap, which is like a, an overwhelming amount of uh, cis straight women are the ones that orgasm the least, mm. you know? And I forget what the poll was, but it was kind of to show a mirror to my audience of like, yo, if you answered that you're cis, you're straight, and you're really not getting your orgasms off, look, you're not alone, you know? Mm. Like 90% of the people answered that they're in the same boat, you know? And then let's like work this through as to why that is. And the answer is men think that their dick is magic. But anyways, <laughs> got it. You know, but I think I think <laughs> having that community, you know, and creating a space that you said, like, you're not alone. That's very important. Um, why is it so important for people to speak their truth, embrace their identity and their culture? Well, for a long time, uh, due to the gatekeepers, due to, you know, the way media has been held and to a certain degree still is. Uh, our voices haven't been amplified. Mm. We've always had opinions. A pet peeve of mine is when people say, oh, the voiceless. Nobody is voiceless. It's that not everyone is given the privilege of a mic. Mm. But as a result of the internet, of social media, things like Twitter, it has democratized the value of an opinion, right? Whereas, let's say... You know, a film comes out and they're like, oh, my God, everyone has an opinion. Like, oh, my God, everybody has an opinion about the film, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, everyone has always had an opinion about the film. It's just that the uh, film critics who have been overwhelmingly men, overwhelmingly white, their, their opinions have been the ones that we have been valuing. And now as a result of social media, it's like, yes. Let's create the hashtags. Let's amplify what we've always been thinking. Let's have these discussions. Absolutely. And it's so powerful because social media does a lot, you know, to be able to spread that word and, and get it out there. Uh, Kat, I'm curious to know in the last couple of questions here, um, what are some of the things that contribute to your success that we don't see uh, that had happened in, in your career? Hmm. Therapy? Hmm. Definitely therapy, <laughs> uh, which I'm pretty open about. I'm definitely not one who carries any shame around therapy, but maybe what people don't see is me like, you know, in bouts of depression, trying to figure out how to get out of it, um, struggling with um, the responsibility. I, I feel a large sense of responsibility to community um, because it, well, if we talk about Latinos here in the U.S., we're so divided. Mm -hmm. And I see in the ways in which we hurt one another and I sympathize, you know? So I don't know if everybody knows how, maybe they do, I don't know. Yeah. if I don't know if people know how deeply... I love our community and that's why I do what I do. So investing in that means investing in therapy. 
<laughs> I love that. And thank you for being honest there because, you know, we see the work that you're doing. And, you know, that's why I want to take the moment out right now to give you your flowers, uh, to really appreciate um, everything that you want and that you do for our community in many instances because it's important, you know, for you to really create space for a community to be able to voice their opinion. And I think the important thing that you mentioned is that to ensure that we're not alone. And that goes for all communities, right? Just being able to have an outlet to say, hey, listen, you're not alone. We're here with you. And let's talk about it a little bit. You know, so I just definitely wanted to give you your flowers for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anytime. So and, you know, I always sit down with a lot of men. So yeah. <laughs> consider yourself, you know, very unique. I appreciate that. Definitely. And then on the flip side, we always turn it back to the guests. Oh. Um, who would you give your flowers to? Oh, wow. Wait up. Put me <laughs> like anybody in the world. Anybody in the world, whoever comes to mind. <clears throat> you know what? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna give my sister flowers. Mm. She's my younger sister, and uh, there are many things that I have learned from her. And most recently, I've been very in awe of her growth. I. I think often I'm seen as the one who has a lot of um, personal insight, you know, development of self and all this stuff. But my sister has really astonished me in the ways in which she is prioritizing her own joy, prioritizing her own mental health in ways where I'm like, oh, damn, I got to do better. Mm. <laughs> Feel that. I love that, too. Kat, you are amazing. Thank you for sharing. Uh, we do have another segment onto the show before we kind of uh, head dun, out. Dun. Uh, this is the call of the hidden gems. It's a variety of questions here. What I would want you to do is just pick one question, read it out loud, and whatever comes off the cuff. Let me shake it around so okay. we kind of mix the bag a little <laughs> bit. Get in there. Oh, this is deep. <laughs> just one question and let's hear it. How much time do you make for yourself every day? Drag me. Um, I don't make a lot of time for myself. And that's something that I'm working on. And I'm also trying to figure out what making time for myself looks like mm. in a way that isn't fundamentally rooted in capitalism. You know, where yeah. it's like, treat yourself to the coffee, girl. And it's mm. like... That's cute, but how am I going to take time for myself in, in a way that doesn't have to do with me, like, consuming things? Yeah. I love that. And thank you for sharing, Kat. You know, you are amazing. I felt the energy the entire time. Uh, it's great to have you in person. You know what I'm saying? We usually hear you on the mic, uh, you know, on Spotify every morning and stuff, but it's good to have you in person. Just feel the energy. There's nothing, nothing better. You know what I'm saying? So, Kat, uh, let the people know where they can follow you and how do we best support you moving forward. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram, all socials. It's Kat Lasso. Made it very simple, you know? And Lasso is with a Z, just an FYI. But, yeah, uh, I'm heavy in the DMs. I'll answer back if I see you. Uh, just don't email me. I know you emailed me (laughs) a bazillion years ago. Right. But, hey, it it worked out. For sure. Made it happen and stuff. But... Kat, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on today and wish you ongoing success. Thank you. And there you have it. That was Off the Cuff with Kat Lasso.